0: This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 45, Yoga, Meditation, and Your Money. My name is Erica, and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Manny Weintraub. Manny specializes in explaining investing to people who haven't seriously considered it before. As an avid meditation and yoga enthusiast, he looks beyond Wall Street's conventional wisdom and focuses on mindful investing. During his 30-year career as a chartered financial analyst, Manny has looked after hundreds of clients and managed more than $1.5 billion really in line with today's episode team, I really appreciate your financial support with this podcast. If you can, know that you can make a big difference even with a small donation to help me cover the production costs and allow me to create more episodes. If you'd like to invest in this, then please visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat and become a VIP member. As a thank you, get access to new exclusive content every month. Okay, ready? Let's get to our episode of Today with Manny. Hi, Manny. Hey, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So for listeners that don't know you, can you tell us a bit about yourself, including your yoga and meditation journey, just to start off us?
1: Wow. Okay. So (laughs) I, about myself, I manage money. I'm a principal at Spears Abacus. I've been doing it for 30 years. I've seen a lot and it's and in terms of meditation and yoga, I started. I think I started with meditation. So I did a ten-day vipassana retreat in the hills of Kyoto in my early twenties, and then I, when I was back in the states, I started doing more and more yoga, um, and then with the, the peak of my yoga was through the 2008-2009 financial crisis mm-hmm. having to do you know, an enormous amount of Ashtanga yoga um, to function, basically.
0: yeah
1: And um, I ended up enjoying the meditation part of that so much that I ended up getting back more into meditation.
0: Okay. So as you mentioned, yoga helped you through the t- 2008 financial crisis. And I also read that meditation helped you make money in investing, but also helped you avoid losing money. What's the link between mindfulness, meditation, yoga, and investment and that like, part of your life?
1: Okay. So we, we might break this down into, into yeah. smaller steps because it's like so uh, huge, but... If we were to break this down into, um, the first part of mindfulness investing is investing in a mindfulness practice. Like you, it's one of these things where for me and maybe for other people, I was so, I had such a great experience with the meditation retreat that I did that I then wanted to, you know, follow the instructions. I love following instructions. Mm-hmm. And that, when I left at that time, thirty years ago, the instructions were to meditate an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Mm-hmm. And I lasted about a week. <laughs> and you know, I was like ass- waking up early in the morning and like falling asleep on my meditation cushion, and there was like drool everywhere. And it was in this you know, perfection was the opposite of good enough. So I was trying to be perfect. And, you know, we're so lucky these days that there's so many great resources, whether they're apps or YouTube videos or um, I'm sure there are other, you know, there's a lot of great resources. Mm -hmm. And I have been able for the past four years to get... uh, very regularly meditating Um, and sometimes it's 20 minutes a day and sometimes it's five minutes a day and sometimes I miss a day. Um, I've been much more forgiving to myself. So I'd say the first um, thing that's really important in investing and uh, mindfulness is to actually do a mindfulness practice Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be very intense. Um, and then, you know, I'm, uh, and it, I think it really has to be actually a mindfulness practice. Like I love to knit. Oops. And maybe I wasn't supposed to say it. Well, okay. I do It's out of the bat. <laughs> I like to knit. I make hats. Okay. Awesome. Like something to do with my hands. Um, but that's not, it's not my meditation. That's a relaxing thing I do that, um, So if you're doing something that you enjoy doing and it's relaxing, that's great. But don't think that that is your meditation because that's your relaxing thing Mm. you enjoy doing. So there are a lot of ways in which mindfulness uh, can help with investing. And one way it helps is to realize that everyone is an investor so Mm -hmm. let's say you have um debt that you're dealing with Mm -hmm. that is a form of investment you have invested in yourself and maybe you've invested in your education or you've uh, invested in transportation you know in order to Mm -hmm. uh, work or you know get to school so i think it's very important to um not be hard on yourself if you're like most people and you know are starting with uh, some debt. I think another way that mindfulness has helped me with investing has to realize that you, you can't you know there's that paradox you you want to just live in the moment and experience the moment you're living in but doesn't mean you should be passive. So mm. you know, inaction has definite consequences and avoiding making a decision is a decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you need to um, set time, not every day, not every minute, but you know, once a year, twice a year and sort of come up with a plan and not have anxiety around it all the time but like have useful uh thoughts and you take some useful actions and that can be consulting with someone you respect you know like let's start doing this it can be uh consulting with a professional it can be even if you're with a professional it can be checking with another professional it could be consulting with do-it-yourself places uh like Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade or something like that. there are a lot of great resources. One thing that I get upset about is it's not most people don't know how important it is to um, to compound their money I don't, for, so, Compounding is when you get your interest, so the money you've made, Mm -hmm. to start making money. And a lot of the time on TV or in the movies, when you see someone getting rich in the stock market, it's they bought Apple on the first day it ever went public or they bought Google... Uh, you know, when I'm a public or they met Jeff Bezos in a bar, you know, it <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. If you can make, and it's not easy and no one, if anyone guarantees you this, you should run away. But if you can make 10% a year, that means you'll double your money every seven years. Mm, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not every 10 years because at a certain point the money starts yeah. working for you. And then you know, at that, and if you can double your money, um, a couple times in your investing life, you know, and if you're a younger person, especially, the difference—if you can just double it one extra time—that's a significant um, amount of extra savings you will have for retirement. And you know, I a lot of the time I work with, um helping professionals you know maybe it's doctors uh, maybe it's artists and I think it's really important that people not feel guilty around um, having saving to have enough money and investing to have enough money it's very important to me that um, whatever happens to people is a choice so Mm -hmm. it's not like um, it's for some reason in our society and maybe it's changed, but I feel like it's easier to talk about sex than it is to talk about money. Mm. And, but, um, you know, my, I always say my wealthiest client is my most content client is a doctor who, um, uh, has helped, uh, disadvantaged people, um, for many, many years and has put aside some money and we've helped make it grow. And she just, her needs are less than what she has and maybe she'll end up giving some to her grandchildren. You know, it's, it's better to have choices. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, mindfulness helps me to sort of like get off my cushion, make some decisions, make a call and see what, um, see what we can do and to get the portfolio growing. And another way that mindfulness really helps once you've decided to take that action is I th- I think no, not I think I know nobody knows what's going to happen in the future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's this whole industry. I call it the fear industry where mm-hmm. you have people on CNBC or what, you know, Fox business report, whatever, you know, telling you what's going to happen and no one knows what's going to happen. So I find the best prediction of what's going to happen conveniently enough for mindful people is the present. So this is, um, that's your base case of what's going to happen and maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be worse, but like, let's Deal with the present. Let's see where the present is. So, for example, um, the president of the United States is kind of a scary, unpredictable person. And there are a lot of people I know who would then use that as a reason not to invest. Mm. But if you deal with the present, the economy is pretty good. Things are going okay. Um, You can, uh, without worrying too much about the future... You can invest now uh, based on how things are right now, and especially if you're a young person, if things start to um, go south, like that would be the new present. That would be the the future would would then be the present. Okay, <laughs> still be dealing with the present. You can deal with it. Like you mm. can own a little less of the market. You can. Um, Invest in things that would do well in a reset an economy that's not doing that well, and you can get advice on how to do that, you know, from your friends or mm-hmm, from
0: Bob.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and and then it also goes to the um, the concept of not needing to be perfect. Like,
0: mm.
1: let's say things are scary with a scary president. That doesn't mean you should be entirely out of the market and wait for that moment to pounce in. Like you don't have to be out perfectly and then in perfectly. Mm-hmm. Just like you, know, you can adjust things a little, like, I don't know, like using a prop. Like you did, if you were perfect, then like you wouldn't need to listen to a podcast about investing. You just you have money raining down on you all the time.
0: <laughs> so would you say being anchor in the present, letting go of your desire of perfections are really good ways to eliminate stress, anxiety, and fear around money?
1: Yes, I would well said okay. and very and much more succinctly than <laughs> I put it. Uh and also I would say dealing like letting know you deserve like don't feel like you don't deserve to uh do the best you can with your circumstances. Like now is a good time to The present is a good time to take Mm. action. Well, it's the only time to take action.
0: And I heard something else um, between the lines. Doing anything with your money is is better than doing nothing.
1: Yes. Well, so doing nothing with your money is doing something with your money. Uh, You are investing in, if you're putting it in the bank account, uh then you're investing it in a, a contract with a bank where you can get it Total liquidity—you can get it out at any time,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they will give you, you know, point a half a percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, so I'd say doing something is better than nothing. You can buy. Um, so I'm very focused on the U.S. So I don't—I don't, I don't want to make. So I—I I apologize, uh, but I do call it the U.S. and not America. So that's the only thing I can. So. <laughs> Uh, but in the U.S., you can buy, you know, treasury bonds, six-month treasury bills yielding 1.6%, and that's much more than, you know, half a percent or nothing. So doing something is much better than doing nothing.
0: hmm Okay. Before we go a little bit more deeper into investment themselves or anything like that, I think we need to talk about money mindset. I know money mindset is a challenge for a lot of yoga teachers, and I think Mm. they have judgment around making money and at the same time living a spiritual or mindful life. Do you have any thoughts on how we can bridge both and how we can reflect in general on money or on our stories around money and the way they impact the way we show up in our business and into the world with the impact that we can have after?
1: For me, it's about choice.
0: Mm.
1: So, if you, um, I don't, you know, if you raise your rates, or if you have a sliding scale, or if you um, feel strongly that your time is worth a certain amount of money, that gives you choices about what you can do with the excess money and in a lot of the times, A, it's, you can have a sliding... You can do what you want because it's a choice, right? You then have choices. Hmm. So you can have the sliding scale. Sometimes by having people who can afford it pay more than they value the um, teaching more that you're giving them. So they'll in fact have a better experience. And also, you know... I'm so happy for those people who are uh, healthy while they're teaching, but you really need to be looking out for yourself in Mm -hmm. a way and making sure that in case you have an injury or something else happens in the future that that you're not hopeless. It's again, it's again, mm-hmm. about choice. You would have fewer choices you can make if you have not felt that if you've not been able to um, have a positive attitude around money and maximize your, I don't want to say maximize your earning potentials because I don't, but maximize it within the context of doing work that you find meaningful,
0: mm-hmm.
1: helping people, that you want to help.
0: So remembering that making more money is a way to care for yourself in the present and in the future and then that way you can also have a better or a greater impact on your community by just having more option and more choices of what you can do.
1: Exactly. Mm. You know, it's it's called currency because I don't know why it's called but like there's an electricity, <laughs> there's a flow, you know, between
0: uh, yeah, the Like that energy get. exchange instead of seeing money maybe as a bad thing, just seeing it as that mm-hmm. energy that you can exchange yeah. between two people. Yeah, and,
1: it, and it's just optionality mm. more than anything else.
0: So in that case, let's say we do want to invest. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm having a little bit of extra money and, you know, what do I want to do with it? If you want to stay in line with your values how do mm-hmm. you how do you create a portfolio that stays in line with what you believe in and you don't just invest in anything that your financial advisor might point out to you
1: right well i would i think it's important to take advice but ask questions mm-hmm. so and when we say financial advisor it could be another yoga practitioner, it could be family, it could be you know, someone like myself, it Mm -hmm. could be Charles Schwab. So I think that's I think advice is good because I have it's similar to the way you would want a yoga professional to help you. Like I've made a lot of mistakes and again, maybe I would now I'm the knitting guy that's made a lot of (laughs) mistakes, but it's And I'm going to continue to make mistakes, but I think I'll make fewer mistakes than having done this for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So I would like to help people uh, make fewer mistakes. So I think that's important. And then I think in terms of having a portfolio consistent with your values, the best way to do that is either control the individual sectors that the portfolio is in or... Um, the individual stocks that the portfolio is in. You know, most of for me, the world and I was an anthropology major, you know, so we were like cultural relativists and if if someone wants to, in the, you know, Brazilian rainforest shrinks heads then, you know, you just want to understand it from their point of view Um, and I don't think they do that anymore. Um, But so for me, the world is just a big bunch, a fairly big bunch of gray. Like, well, you know, I don't want to, um, I don't want uh, healthcare costs to be so expensive, but I want people to get health care. Or um, I don't uh, want people to eat junk food, but pizza really is delicious. And, you know, you have it occasionally and it helps the carbon footprint if you don't get meat on it. You know, so... I, I can go two ways on a lot of things, but it's nice to. I think there are two reasons why it's nice to have some control over the sectors or stocks in your portfolio. Uh, one, you just make sure it's like I didn't think we owned Smith and Wesson, you know. And again, I can go both ways. Maybe someone hunts. I, I'm not a judgmental person. So, but you you should feel good about what you own. And then the other reason is that when there's volatility in the market, you can sometimes feel a little better. I know uh, around the universities, there's been a lot of concern around uh, investing in oil and gas. So it's that's a very easy thing to control for in terms of sectors, you know, and again, it would might take a half hour phone call with an online broker. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a, uh, it's not hard.
0: Okay. So let's say you do seek for help. How do you know that the person, that financial advisor, or investor has your best interests at heart?
1: So that's a, so hopefully there's someone <laughs> you know okay. that you trust or you trust their advice I think second opinions are really useful. I don't know how many people actually get them. I know if you had a serious medical condition, God forbid, then you might uh, be inclined, you know, especially if you didn't like what the first person said. But your savings and your future is very important too. It's just very important much later on, you know, when the rubber hits the road. So it's definitely worth. A second opinion. Um, fees are obviously important, and that can be a uh, a clue. Like if people are reluctant to disclose their fees mm. or explain how they something
0: make. is sketchy. It's probably sketchy. <laughs> it's sketchy,
1: and, and they can sometimes people don't like to talk again. People don't like to talk about money, and then mm. it, if someone's taking advantage. Of your lack of comfort around that, you know, that can be an issue. And then, you know, as we were talking, I mean, I guess it was clear that earning 10% a year is good, but I don't have time to walk through the math. But actually, the difference between earning 8% a year and 6% a year is enormous over 36 years, Mm. which 36 years seems like a long time, but hopefully. You know, 36 years from now, you would like to have some options about your savings and what you're going to do. So that's why uh, fees can be a big um, red flag. Mm. Um, so that's sort of, those are, and yeah, I don't know. Those okay. are good first steps.
0: Do you find that your mindfulness and meditation practice helps you support clients in their money concerns differently than under? Oh, it's
1: how, how about different than me?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: where, because uh, I started doing this in 1989. So I went through the first Iraq war, the Peso crisis, the Asian crisis, the old economy crisis, September 11th, mm. uh, World Com Enron, you know, some great Canadian companies also went bankrupt, so or nearly bankrupt. So it, um, and then the financial crisis in two thousand eight. So it's helped me. Um, I'm much more able to help people focus on making useful, um, having useful actions. Like you can have thoughts and concerns and worries. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to them, but let's try and do something useful. Mm. Okay. Like, let's, all right, this doesn't feel right in terms of the amount of money we have invested. Let's take it down a little. You know, I'm, um, I'm also, I've gotten less uh, reactive to the market. So now if there is a, like a crisis in the Middle East, like my first reaction now is to go less to financial websites and read about what the futures are doing Mm -hmm. uh, and more to go to a uh, geopolitical history book and like, let's look at how many people are in Iran, how many in Iraq, what's going on, where's the Strait of War? So it helps keep me calmer and, you know, look, I... And for those people that uh, have chosen to work with me, then you know, for them they appreciate that. And there's a lots of other styles and some people would then would find that like, why aren't you panicking? Like mm-hmm. it's time.
0: You
1: know, panic isn't very useful. It's again, it's too all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And investing should be more shades of gray.
0: Okay. Any tips for listeners, like rules around investing? Where do they start if they have never invested before?
1: So if you've never invested, for generally, the I'd say the first tip is that the market doesn't care about you at all. Like, <laughs> let's say I gave you a tip. Like, you know, probably the easiest thing to do to start is buy a U.S. Um, index fund. Like, so you now have exposure or the opportunity to make money in the largest companies in the United States. And then it immediately goes down. Oh, I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen. But it's not personal. The market doesn't care mm-hmm. about you. I see. Let's say you find, you know, a small energy drink business that you know, just you buy it and it goes through the roof. The stock doesn't love you. You, know, they're, they're, you shouldn't love the stock. It's not an emotional, uh, situation. So, I would say um, that at this point, where how low interest rates are, I would look towards equities. In general, I would look towards a little tougher. Um, I would I would look towards U.S. equities because I don't think it's a an accident that the united states has four percent of the world's population and like 24 percent of the world's gdp so i think that trend is likely to continue i would hope that we get um a more uh constructive immigration policy and get more people uh, into this country and if i think of all the wonderful companies in the U.S. that were started by uh, immigrants, recent immigrants, because we're the vast majority of people in the United States of America are immigrants, or uh, the, the heads of the companies are, you know, are first or second generation immigrants. You know, there's a lot of uh, wealth creation mm-hmm. ability in the United States. So that's like a good place to start.
0: Okay. So let's say you want to invest in a company or in a stock or in an equity. that obviously you want high return on your investment. Otherwise you wouldn't invest, but you also want to have an impact that's beneficial globally or in your community or something like that. Where do you start? How do you know if what you're choosing will actually make money or if they're actually profitable and they won't go out of business in six months versus like, do they also have the impact you're looking for or the values you're looking to align with?
1: So, uh, you do not have to get in early. That's sort of, the I I mentioned that before, but it's a big big thing I really want to take away. Mm -hmm. A, A lot, especially if you're beginning a lot, the best way, I believe, is to look for companies that are doing well now and 10 years from now will probably be doing well. So, there's an enormous amount of um, there's an enormous, um, the the population is aging. So there will continue to be an enormous need for medical care. So, you know, that's a great place to look. Uh, I, so profitable companies are a great place to start. Uh, I think the advice you can get almost for free, like almost for nothing from, uh, online brokers, you know, is tremendous, a great resource. And then in terms of the impact people are going to make, the company is going to make, that really has to go to really creating optionality for yourself. I think, you know, you, you have to, not every business is going to be as wonderful as, um, I don't know, if we could pick the most wonderful business that's helped the most people, like maybe it'd be a meditation app provider or a you know yoga studio scheduler or something like that. They're great, they're wonderful, but those are very small parts of the economy. So I don't think it makes sense to um, not do well financially you know, basically, in my opinion, if you can do uh, invest in businesses that aren't terrible, uh, you're and you have to understand if you give money to a profitable company, you're not enabling it to like go and be more, you know, meh, like the middle place, not the good place, not the bad. you you're not you're not enabling more fast food. Like they don't need your money. Like they, mm. the securities are not. If someone does an initial public offering, then you're they're actually getting money from you. But most of the time, the vast majority of the time, these companies are already public, and you're just providing liquidity to someone else who wants to sell their shares. Mm. So, if you can do well for yourself while not harming the world, you know it's like the physician's oath: like first, do no harm. So if you then you are you create optionality for yourself to A, to literally take care of yourself, mm. you know, so we all want to do a good job for the community, but I also want people to have enough money for take care of medical issues and emergencies and all that. So you don't want to really um, have not harmed the community, but not have any money set aside for yourself. And uh, the best resources would be, you know, the free ones online or, you know, through I'd say the online brokers are almost always the best place to start because they have very little overhead like one more client, you know, costs them nothing to to put on.
0: Mm, okay. Are there some misconceptions around investing that we should mention?
1: So, I think a big misconception is that um there was a good time to invest. Mm. Like, because I've been doing this since, because the nature of investing is for every buyer, there's a seller. Like someone has to think that things are not, that it's not a good time. They want out, you get in. So, and then also you just have this nostalgia thing. And like we saw in the US presidential elections about making America great again. Like Mm -hmm. it's always been like, Good and bad, kind of a mess. Like I grew up in the '70s, you know. I watch TV shows now, um, you know, Netflix about the '70s and looks terrible and depressing, and the cars are too big and it's a little smoggy. It's like, okay, it wasn't perfect, but like it was fine, you know. And I don't know, ten years ago was okay, you know. So waiting for the perfect time to invest is a mistake. Thinking that there was ever any good old days. Um, is a mistake. Um, worrying too much about the current uh, year, or next year, or day, like looking too often mm-hmm. at your results is a mistake. Thinking you need to get in early, like there was a lot of excitement around cannabis. You know, um, you just need, you don't need to be first, you just need to be there. And that's one of the, uh, Things that I've learned over the years.
0: Mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to one thing you talked about a different crisis, and now you just mentioned again like that fear and looking really often at how it looks and how it's moving. Mm-hmm. Any tip about taking loss or like dealing with, oh, it's going down or I don't know?
1: Awesome. Best, best question. Yeah, take the loss. Just <laughs> move on. Like you can, the way American tax rules, tax rules in the United States of America work, if you have a loss, and you sell the security and don't buy it again for another 31 days, then it's a, a loss. Like if you sell it today and buy it tomorrow, then it doesn't count as a loss and it's a big mess. But that's a great amount of time to, um, let's say you've invested in, uh, I don't want to pick on cannabis. Let's say you've invested in a uh, fast food company. <sighs> Example. Anyway, and you're losing money, and it's like let's say you've lost ten percent, fifteen percent. Like just sell the damn thing, you know. The and you lock in the loss; it'll reduce your income taxes. You can buy something else. You can leave it in cash and buy it back, and again in thirty-two days. Really, the definitely don't buy more. Okay, don't. That's that's a huge no-no. There's so much pride you know, wrapped up in the buying mm. more. Like, There's only one thing in the world that's good and it's, you know, loco taco, you know, chain. You know, it's like, it, there's a lot of good things in the world, they're not all loco taco. Um, so just, uh, uh, now I'm remembering a small cap stock that I, I knew about 30 years ago that a friend of mine wanted to buy called, I think, Pollo Loco, but anyway. I digress Uh, take the loss move on don't buy more and then you can come back in 31 days and maybe put in less money and try again okay anything
0: else you want to add before we finish if there's one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with what would that be
1: um I would say try not to Invest looking in a rearview mirror just because something was good in the past doesn't mean it'll be a good investment going forward. I saw some people get really hurt in real estate um, buying uh, buildings that were that had done well and therefore they should mm. do well. Like keep your common, you know, well, how about meditate before you make it? take action, but meditate before you make any final decisions. How's that?
0: Okay. I'll put all your info in the show notes. But in the meantime, if uh, people want to reach out to you, ask more questions or work with you, what's the best place for them to find you?
1: Uh, our website is uh, spearsabacus.com. And you can look for Manny Weintraub at, you know, on the internet. You'll, you'll find me. It's not that hard. <laughs>
0: okay, great. Thank you so much for your time today, Manny.
1: Thank you, Erica.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen. And if you wanted to continue, don't forget to visit patreon.com slash on and off your map to donate or become a VIP member and get your hands on our exclusive content. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guests of today, Manny Weintraub or my five biggest takeaways from this episode. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to Alexander Saba, working in the background, creating the music, editing, and mastering this podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.